Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Taylor Campbell. I'm a birth and bereavement doula, as well as an adoption and surrogacy doula. Doula means woman who serves. And although I love happy births, adoptions, and surrogacy, the pro bono part of my business is in bereavement. I'm here to help you. I'm also mom of 18, yes, 18 children, with over 30 years experience in the trenches as a mom myself. We have a huge blended family, and I've also experienced the loss of our adult son. Remember, give a shout out to those brave enough to share their stories on how they have become parents. Let's dive in. Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Taylor Campbell. I'm super excited to have Allison Avayu. <laughs> I think I did it right. You did. Uh, the <laughs> accent over the end. I'm very American. There's no accents at all. <laughs> I love I really, it. We've known each other for a while via social media. We've had meetings and like I was doing shorter podcast clips that I really loved doing actually. And I don't remember how we initially found each other, but I'm excited that we did. So tell me where you are and a little bit about what you do. And we're going to jump in. Your story is really incredible. And I had no idea. These are things women don't talk about. Yeah, exactly. Well, real quick. Uh, so I'm in South Florida. Um, I'm currently sitting in one of my best friend's houses because she's so kind to let me borrow it so that you guys can hear me without any crazy three-year-olds in the background. Uh, <laughs> thank Love God it. For the, right? You got to have the village. And um, yeah, I am a mom to two little boys, a five and a half and a three and a half year old. And it's been a wild ride to say the least. Let's start at the, like, you're married, you have a husband, you guys are, I'm assuming, so please correct me. Yep. You decide you want to have a baby. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. So we had owned, oh, go ahead. No, I just didn't know which, if you had a child first or take me through that process. Yeah. That's all. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was one of those like very career driven women and I knew I was not ready until one day when I was like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> it was absolutely not ready for children don't even talk about it like no cannot handle it and then one day I was like oh okay yeah and so um I had gotten off the pill because they had put me on the pill when I was 18 I finally like begged and pleaded my mom for years like just please because I was suffering horribly from terrible periods like yeah. screaming yeah. in the middle of the night from pain and my mom didn't have a cramp until she gave birth to me so she had no clue what I was going through. Right. And I mean, super heavy. And so of course, what's the thing that the doctors do? They throw you on the pill and you know, whatever it magically quote unquote fixes everything. Not. Um, and so I had been on the pill for over a decade at that point. So I come off the pill, we waited a year um, off the pill and we started trying. And after six months, I finally saw a very faint uh positive pregnancy test. And I was just like, oh my God, all right. Um, it, can I, I remember I sent it to my best friend and my sister. I was like, is this like real? You know, cause it had been six months of devastation. And meanwhile, I had cousins that got pregnant. I had friends that got pregnant. And you know that you, you want it so badly at that point that yeah, everybody's pregnant except for you, you know, and it hurts. And so I finally saw that faint line and I was like, is it real? And so part of me didn't believe it. And so that was a, that was a Thursday. So I called my doctor on Friday and said, Hey, I'm pregnant. And they're like, cool. We'll put you on the list and we'll call you in a few weeks. And I'm like, uh, okay. It's so, it's such a letdown, right? You're like, 
Doesn't you know, everybody want to celebrate this? Like, are there things we can like, do? Am I, can somebody tell me if I am pregnant? Like, I don't even know because it was so faint. And so um, go through the weekend and I'm experiencing like some weird cramps, you know, which could be either you're miscarrying or it's implanting. You don't really know. And so of course it's a weekend and I'm talking to my sister and she was like, well, just call the doctor on Monday and tell them you're experiencing cramping and they'll get you in. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. So I called on Tuesday or on Monday and sure enough, they're like, okay, come in um, tomorrow and we'll do some blood work and some tests. I'm like, okay. So Tuesday was December 22nd. And um, so I go in, I do the blood work and literally no one says anything to me. They, I did like the, they did the P test and they did the blood work and nobody says anything. So I'm like, am I pregnant? Is somebody going to tell me like what's going on? Nobody tells me anything. The next morning I get a phone call from the doctor saying, Hey, we want you to come in tomorrow morning, which would be Christmas Eve morning. Um, for more blood work. We just want to make sure that the numbers are going up appropriately. I'm like, okay. Again, no one still confirms that I was pregnant. No one tells me anything. I'm like, okay. I wake up in the morning at like three or four o'clock in the morning on Thursday morning in the most excruciating pain I'd ever had. Um, I didn't know what was going on. I thought my stomach was being ripped apart and my abdomen. And I don't know if I can, if this is TMI, but also like your anal region, like yeah. it, that was the sign from, I was like, what is happening? Something, something is terribly wrong. I'm like crying, talking to my husband, like, I don't know what to do. So at seven o'clock, I head over to my doctor's office and I just sit there and I wait like in pain, just waiting for somebody to like answer and come into the office. And so they send me um, downstairs to the hospital because it was in a hospital. Luckily her office was in the hospital. So they sent me downstairs to the ultrasound. I'm waiting, still in pain. Um, they did the blood work, of course, and they probably did an ultrasound for over an hour, abdomen and vaginal. Um, and nobody's saying anything to me. I have no clue what's going on. I'm by myself because my husband and I owned a restaurant. My husband's working our biggest day of the year because we did Feast of the Seven Fishes for Christmas. So he's not there. I'm by myself. And about 12 o'clock, 1230, I'm waiting for the doctor to get the reports from the radiologist. And she finally calls me in and she's wonderful. I love her. She's fantastic. And she sits me down, but she goes, we need to take you into emergency surgery. You have an ectopic pregnancy and you're, you're bleeding internally. And my, my first question was, okay, so I'm pregnant. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I no, get it. Like you're like, <laughs> so is this a yes <laughs> yeah yes and it's also so a no like, right exactly and also I never heard of an ectopic pregnancy before so I'm like I was gonna ask that okay yeah, yeah. so I'm sitting there looking at her and then my second question you'll get a kick out of this my second question was because it's December 24th we're at the end of the the deductible year I'm like can we like postpone this until like next year like I don't know because I've I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. And she was like, no, you could die. You're bleeding internally. We need to stop it. This is an emergency. Call your husband right now. I was like, oh, for real? Okay. All right. Because he's like busy. <laughs> She's like, no, no, you need to call him. <laughs> so he came over and they sent me down to get ready for OR. And, and I told him, like, there's no point in you waiting around, like, because you have the restaurant. Like, we couldn't close. We had a full house. 
Right. So I sent them back and um, my brother-in-law came to get me after that. And it's an in and out surgery. Thank God. It was laparoscopic. Okay. And she found out, um, she told me afterwards that um, I had an ectopic pregnancy, but my tube hadn't ruptured. So she just cleaned up the blood and she did see signs. She thought of endometriosis, which could explain why we had trouble getting pregnant. I was like, okay, we're getting some answers. All right, good deal. And so then... That was on a Thursday. On Monday, she had me come back and do um, the methotrexate. And again, I'm by myself in the hospital. Nobody tells me anything. The nurse guy comes in with the paperwork that I have to sign because you're literally signing that you're ending your pregnancy. And you understand this is a chemotherapy drug. And, I'll, and I'm like looking at this going, what the hell? Like, can somebody like walk me through what's happening? And I was like, I remember shaking going like, is this the only option? You know, and finally they brought my doctor in and she explained like methotrexate is a chemo drug. It kills growing cells and we need to make sure that there is nothing left that could cause more damage. So I tearfully signed the piece of paper and they gave me the methotrexate. And then for six weeks after that, they bring you in every week to watch your your blood work to make sure the numbers are going down appropriately. Right. And I think when you hit a five HCG, you're like no longer pregnant, which makes no sense to me. Couldn't it just be zero? But whatever. I'm sure a man came up with that. <laughs> um, so I got to, I think it was the end of January. Because the end of January was like a Monday. And I think my ACG was like seven or 10. So we were almost there. And then a few days later on February 2nd, I wake up with the exact same excruciating pain. And I'm like, what the hell? What is going on? So we rush to the hospital. They do an ultrasound. Sure enough, I'm internally bleeding way more. Like if I was, I think I had like 10 milligrams or something. The first one I had over a hundred milligrams of blood, like insane amount um, more. And they rushed me into emergency surgery. And my tube had my tube had ruptured. So were you my, pregnant a second time? No, my doctor said the... it was a medical anomaly. Oh there my was, gosh! Okay, I was at a seven. There was no, there was hardly any tissue left. There was no medical reason why my tube should have ruptured. Oh wow! Um, but it was a blessing in disguise because it ruptured. She was able to clean out all the endometriosis. Okay. Wow. So, what a wild right now. I just yeah. want to like, <laughs> let's just sum up for a second. You didn't know what an ectopic tubal pregnancy was. You're like, all of this is, and all you, you wanted to get pregnant. And so you mm -hmm. went from, and you did the right thing by the way, because I was on the pill only for five years, which yes, it's the, it, it's been the answer for everything. And I think it's destroying women. That's a, side, that's a side note, <laughs> right? We'll do a second podcast about like, that. That's a total, we could do a completely second podcast just on the pill. And I'd have a yeah. lot of women signing up to jump on that mm -hmm. bandwagon. Yep. But <clears throat> you waited a year. Mm -hmm. I, I, would, I did the same thing. After the pill, I waited a year and then I went into infer, infertility treatments. So yeah. there's that's a pretty common practice. So you did all the things you were supposed to be doing. So how great though that- in that terrible situation, she cleaned yes. everything up, but you lost a oh tube. Oh my God. Uh, yes, I did lose a tube. And so 
you know, of course, at that point, I'm like, I have a 50% chance of getting pregnant, you know, and then all of a sudden, all of these women come through the woodwork, people I know, people I don't know, because I, I started posting on it. That was my, that was therapy for me was sharing my story, because I was like, this is hard, my friend bullshit that nobody is talking about what women are going through. Like, we need to have these conversations, because I felt so alone. And then all of a sudden, as soon as I start talking about it, all these women start raising their hand, being like, Oh, my God, me too. Oh, my God, me too. We're suffering in silence. And so um, I started sharing and, and telling my story and I learned more and more. And um, after they did the, um, the HSG, I think is what it's called. Yeah, HSG is a um, procedure that they do where they shoot this blue dye up through your uterus, through your yes. to make it cleaned out. And it is really <laughs> uncomfortable. Especially when your tech tells you, you have a beautiful uterus. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> I feel so much better. <laughs> Check. Not ready for that comment. <laughs> yeah. I'll make sure to tell my husband. I'm sure he's super happy. <laughs> so I got all clear that like the one tube was ready to go. So I was just like itching to go. I had an acupuncturist and she wanted to do Chinese medicine. She wanted to do a complete cleanse and just like kind of like rebalance everything. And she told me, she was like, but you can't get pregnant if we do this. And so I was torn because they said after your HSG, you have like three months where it's clearer, like your tube is clearer and it's easier to get pregnant supposedly. So I was like, no, no, I'm not doing anything for three months except for trying to get pregnant. So I put her off and put her off and she did other therapies and herbal remedies to help get pregnant. And every month I didn't get pregnant. And so finally, after the third month of not getting pregnant, I threw my hands in the air and I said, I don't care what you do, whatever at this point. And she was like, okay, then we're going to do what I originally wanted to do. <laughs> and so she put me on, I don't remember what, um, um, what it's called, protocol, but um, it's a different herbal blend for each month of your cycle because there's four different weeks in our cycles and our hormones are doing different things. Our body is doing different things throughout the cycle nobody knows about this. I mean, I didn't. And so you have to like optimally, you know, feed your body what it needs for each of those weeks. And so she did, and we supposedly cleaned everything out. And the next month I got pregnant. It was like, oh my God, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like that feeling of finally, you know, a year later after everything we had been through getting pregnant. So, and, and the first year of you being off the pill. Yeah. So <clears throat> How panicked were you though when you saw the blue lines? Oh, I was like, is this real? I was so paranoid. And every, is anything every wrong? weird feeling that I got, I was like, is it? Is it? I still actually, after funny story, um, sometimes I'll get like um weird gas and all of a sudden I'll get an abdominal cramp, abdominal cramp, and I'll look at my husband and be like, oh my god, this feels exactly like it. He's like, you just have gas, you're fine. <laughs> but, but it feels the same. <laughs> it's like a little bit of PTSD, but otherwise, we're just do out. some sidekicks, you know? Yeah. Yep. I drink my tea and then lay on my left side. <laughs> so you had a baby, and this he I was did. born five and a half years ago. He was born, yeah, on March 30th. He was born, and he was a that was a whirlwind. Um, it was my first lesson in having a strong-willed child that's determined to do things his way. Whew. 
other than you being stressed, obviously, how was the pregnancy and delivery? Were you becoming more of an advocate for yourself because of the situation? So take me through a cup some of that. And then the strong will, I love the strong will thing. <laughs> That's a fun story, his birth. Um, yes, absolutely. Well, luckily I'm really blessed. One of my best friends um, from college is a nutritionist. She is a chiropractor. She is a wonderful mama of four birth babies that she birthed at home in water. Um, and so she had kids before me and I learned a lot from her. She recommended one of the best books, um, Well-Adjusted Babies. Can't remember okay, the yeah. chiropractor's name that wrote that book, but it's fantastic. Well worth the money, 100%, because it walks you through pregnancy and birth and your body and what it's doing so that we can learn and advocate for ourselves, like what's going on. Um, and I do have, I have a wonderful doctor. She's one of the best where I live as far as supporting women and what they want out of birth and natural births and water births and all of those things. And so I was like, I'm going to have an at-home water birth and she's going to support me. And I was like, woo, yeah. And then um, the pregnancy was fine overall. Um, I dealt with a, a lot of RLS and insomnia, but that was really about it. But I mean, sleep deprivation will make you lose your mind. So that was fun. Um, and I gained 50 pounds which was a new thing to me. I was not prepared for that because I come from a very fit and healthy family and I exercised and ate healthy. And I'm like, why am I gaining weight? But they did put me on progesterone at the beginning. I gained 10 pounds like that at the beginning. I'm like, this is not cool. Um, but my body needed to do what it needed to do. I had to learn to accept that. And so at my 30 week appointment, the doctor tells me that, well, he's still upside down. Well, we didn't know the sex at that point. We kept it a secret. Um, we didn't want to find out. Uh, he's still upside down. So we got to work on flipping him. So I didn't worry too much about it because she said, you know, we got until 36 weeks. So just bear it in mind. 36 weeks comes and he's upside down. I'm like, okay. She's like, we really have to focus on flipping him. And so I, at this point, we owned the restaurant. I stopped working full time at the restaurant and every single day was focused on doing everything the internet had to offer to flip babies. You name it, I tried it. Moxie, spinning babies, handstands in the pool upside down, um, cold packs, uh, music, literally everything you can imagine. Um, nothing worked. And my doctor told me that she was like, I know you want a natural birth, natural water birth, probably not going to happen. So we need to have a plan B. And if we do a scheduled C-section, I can still give you a lot of the things that you wanted out of a birth. And so she's amazing and I love her. And so I said, okay, fine. Um, we scheduled it for 40 weeks and five days. And sure enough, 40 weeks and five days comes and he is still upside down. <laughs> and I tried hypnosis, everything. And so... It was a scheduled C-section and he came out, but first, um, but happy and healthy. And um, I did get everything else that I wanted out of the birth. She gave me immediate skin to skin, delayed corn clamping, like the music that I wanted. Like, I mean, it was the best C-section I could have had, I think. Um, so I was very grateful for that. That's a really important point to make because... I think the C-section in the U.S. is super high for no reason. 
However, when it's warranted, you can still like, how can you have the best experience possible in that situation still should be front of mind because like I had one hospital birth and three home births and I love home birth. Mm -hmm. It was where I wanted to be. Like you wanted a certain situation. It's where you want to be. But when that's not possible, it doesn't make that woman less than, it doesn't make the situation. It doesn't mean that it's got to be terrible. You already have to go through the process of grieving the birth you didn't want. Mm -hmm. So how beautiful that you got to have the best experience. As a doula in Nevada, um, the hospital that does the most, most births here is going to be offering training to doulas. And as part of that, I will be in the OR room and I'm ecstatic because when you, when you need a C-section, like, look, I'll, I'll help you advocate to do everything you can to not have a C-section that's not warranted. Um, when it's warranted, I want you to have the best experience possible. Cause it's like, I feel like women get robbed twice. They have the C-section, oh, yeah. so they get robbed from their birth, and then they get robbed from having this beautiful experience or having people proud of them for having this beautiful experience. It's There's not one way to birth. So I love that you shared having the best C-section and that you did. You had a doctor you could talk to and that you advocated for that. Yes, 100%. I picked her before I ever had kids because I knew, because my friend had had the water birth, so I was like, oh, that's what I want. I need to make sure I find a doctor because I already knew that most doctors don't really, they just want to do it their way. I had worked in the medical field, so I've seen it from the inside. Um, I don't give a crap about what you want. Right. They know how they're going to get paid and how they can get paid the most. All right. And, and it can be on their schedule and it's the fastest and a C-section is 20 minutes for a doctor. So they make a lot more money with C-sections. A lot more. You had your first son, your second son came two years later did, did were there any pregnancies in between no um i so i finished breastfeeding logan when he was 12 months old and so well i went a little longer so april i finished um breastfeeding him and i started on some herbal supplements to help manage my what i like in case i had endometriosis and to just kind of like balance everything so that i could get pregnant easily or e- more easily i guess i should say And, um, we weren't quite, but we weren't trying at all. Uh, and I got pregnant in one month and I remember calling my husband going, uh, I'm pregnant. He goes, for real? Like, do we even have sex? Like, (laughs) cause I mean, it was like this miraculous one-time thing. And, and all of a sudden we got pregnant, you know, after everything we'd gone through, we're like, how is that possible? Um, so I feel very, very lucky that it was that easy. Um, and that was a good pregnant, similar pregnancy. It, a lot of RLS, a lot of insomnia, 57 pounds gain. So I was bloated. I was miserable. I was done. And he went to 41 weeks. Um, <laughs> anything after 37 is just pure torture. If you ask me like, yeah, well, that's because like, <laughs> that's because that's when you can, that's the earliest you can have a baby. That's the earliest yeah. you're considered at term. So we want to mm-hmm. be done then. Yes. Yep. I, my body was so, so done, but think my kids weren't done baking, evidently. And uh, I dealt with something I'd never heard of, again, called prodromal labor, mm-hmm. uh, which is not labor, but labor. So that's fun. My body, I started on a Monday, right, went right at 40 weeks, just after 40 weeks, I started prodromal labor and I had my appointment with the doctor and she was just like, it's called prodromal labor. I was like, so I'm in labor. She's like, well, no. 
Like, then why are you calling it labor? Because it feels like what I think labor is. <laughs> and she tried the Foley bulb to induce yeah. and you know, that didn't work the first time. And then we tried it again two days later and made a little bit of progress. And then by Thursday, I think I finally was in quote unquote real labor according to them. But by that time I was so exhausted my because I had the tub all lined up ready to go in the hospital my doula was ready to go like we were doing everything we could and they unfortunately in the hospital that I went to they left me in the um oh gosh what do they call it the triage room I wasn't well first I was in the waiting room for god knows how long then they put me in the triage room and I'm like I just want my tub like I just need to be in the water like please and I begged and pleaded and I think about 24 hours later, I finally got in the tub, but I had, my body had already been going through what felt like labor for almost five full days at that point. And so I was in the tub for a couple hours, just in tears. And I was like, I can't, I physically cannot. And I signed the papers to get the epidural against what I wanted, um, but it was necessary. So we slept, I slept for a little bit and then um, they had to up it again because I was having breakthrough pain. Um, and then finally, after an hour and a half of pushing, like 30 hours later, he was born. And, um, I didn't put two and two together until after the fact I was talking to one of my mommy friends and I was explaining everything. She's like, isn't that the side that you got your, your tube removed on? I was like, well, yeah. She's like, you were, it was probably the scar tissue, like the contractions and everything that was going on. Like the contractions most likely weren't bothering you. It was the scar tissue in that area because the pain where I was feeling it was right where the scar from my tube removal was. Mm. And so that helped me feel a little better in knowing, you know, like why everything happened the way it happened. Um, because it was a struggle to, you know, to make it this far to get my V back and, but to not have my water birth like I so wanted. <laughs> we really, as women, when you figure out what you want, sometimes we're so hyper-focused on that right and and that's not a bad thing except like you had to grieve the birth you wanted all over again right it's great that you got a v-back though and it's also yes. great that in your language and you telling me you said it was much needed i mean you had about yeah. a week of labor right you're yeah. a week overdue you have a week of labor you gained 57 pounds you were really uncomfortable and yeah, our bodies are amazing, beautiful things. And also we need to realize that sometimes it's okay. It was so necessary. Like I wouldn't, I, I mean, I wouldn't have made it, you know, because I think I got the epidural um, and he was, he wasn't even born for another 12, 16 hours. Yeah. yeah. You know, so um, there was no way I was going to make it. <laughs> And there's all kinds of things we can say, well, if you walked more and if you sat in the tub okay. and if you did this and maybe this, and really, we don't know. And also it doesn't matter because no. at some point you have to make a choice and be okay with your choice. Yeah. I know. So you have two kids, 23 months apart, which is natural child spacing. It's also the child spacing that drives most of us totally bonkers, you know? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and I know in your information, you said you got mastitis at three months. So I want to, I want to fast forward a little bit to, you had to, you, you gained a lot of weight, mm -hmm. especially for you. I mean, I gained yeah. like 20 to 25 pounds with every pregnancy. Doesn't, didn't matter what I did. You gained 50 and 57. You are, um, 
you have a lot of insomnia and sleep issues during your pregnancies. You've got two kids 23 months apart. And I know at three months after your second was born, you got mastitis. And and then I want you to talk about the other thing postpartum that happened to you. Because I don't sure. know, I don't know the story. I just know the terminology. Yeah, it was um so yeah, he was about three months old. And at this point, my husband was working in the kitchen. So he was working 12 to 16 hour shifts. It was a weekend. Um, I did have some help during the week, but on weekends I was by myself with both kids. And also side note, a crazy 150 pound Great Dane. Um, <laughs> of course. Just throw that in there. Um, Cause it does matter. Cause she is crazy. And so needless to say, I was just barely holding on. Um, and the good news was my, my second one, he did sleep better as a newborn than my first one. So that was like, yay, that was easier. I was like, oh, thank God. This is what people talk about when they like enjoy newborn. <laughs> Cause my, my oldest one was not a good sleeper from day one. And so, um, I had been sleep deprived for over two years at that point, And I, I get mastitis. So I'm struggling through that, um, and, and navigating that over the weekend and, uh, that's when I believe my postpartum rage and depression kicked in. And a little interesting story that my mom shared with me after the fact, um, we had a dog growing up that had had puppies. And then um, at some point she turned mean. Like all of a sudden she just went mean and we actually had to um, put her down because she snapped at my sister, my baby sister. And so um, what my mom told me after the fact was that she had had an, um, infected teat and somebody oh, had told her that the infection sometimes can go to the brain and cause chemical changes, which causes the dog to turn mean. And I'd heard of dogs turning mean after having babies before, after having puppies before, but I, you know, I'd never heard of the connection. And so I recently, when I did my doula training, I asked our instructor, like, is that something that you've heard of? And she was like, absolutely, that's a possibility that an infection in the body can cause chemical reactions and changes in the brain. And so combine that with sleep deprivation and two children, two years and under, um, it's no wonder that I went crazy um, and lost my mind and had this intense rage. Like that's how it manifested for me. And a few months after that, I think I was about six months old and my best friend shared an article with me about postpartum rage because I hadn't heard about it until she shared that article with me because I never, nobody really wants to talk about it. I I have rage. I have rage issues. You know, that's not exactly something that's, you know, fun to admit. Um, but I read that article and I called her crying going, oh my God, that's me. Like I have that. And, um, we didn't have any insurance coverage. There was no way I could go to therapy or anything for that. So I just did my best with reaching out to my community as much as I could, um, reading about it, learning about it, um, and trying to become more aware of my triggers and finding ways to protect myself um, from those moments that will en enrage me. And I'll be honest, I still deal with it sometimes because you know life has been crazy and busy and I haven't fully healed, um, you know, the things that I need to heal. And so um, it's been a really interesting journey, but I'm glad I discovered it. Not glad I had it. 
glad I discovered it because I think that women really need to talk about it because I've had a lot of moms reach out to me in private messages saying, oh my God, I, I have that. I, I have so much rage. I don't want, I didn't want to admit it to anybody, but like, that's totally me. So it's kind of sad and scary. It's, it's <laughs> also nice to know that it's not abnormal, um, even though it's awful and that there are things that you can do for it. You went on a journey and I'm sure that this was a huge trigger for that to get, to feel healthy again. Look, I, I mean, I remember when you're, going through the getting pregnant and having babies and breastfeeding. I loved every minute of all of that. And at the same time, your body's not your own. Like you're yeah. right. Your body's not your own. You're giving up a lot. It's really challenging to be pregnant and have babies and do all the things and be sleep deprived and all of that, regardless if you have something. But I remember when I knew I had had my last baby and I realized I I got my body back and I never, I loved giving it up. So I'm not even saying like, I'm coming from a place where I really loved it. I loved having them and being pregnant and doing all that stuff as hard as it is. But then there was this point where I knew I had my body back and it was like, okay, some stuff is going to change. And <laughs> right. Uh -huh. You're like, I'm buying a belt. I want to tie my shirts <laughs> in. I put on my watch and my ring again. I was like, yeah. Right. I wear rings like, again. I'm buying a pair of nonsensible shoes. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you you do hit a point. And I I worked out and got back in shape between every pregnancy. I mean, I really had a great experience with all of that. And still there's something about feeling like you have a piece of yourself again. And that's real hard with young kids to like while your kids are still young. Yeah. to feel like that. But you went through a journey to help feel physically healthier. I think physical health and emotional health are really tied. And what we put in our bodies is tr can trigger the better physical mental mm -hmm. health or worse. Um, so I want to kind of wrap up with that. And you created, you're a doula, you said. So you went back to school to be, a, and you and postpartum, is it postpartum? Postpartum doula. I okay. didn't, I'll be 100% honest. I have no desire to help with the whole pregnancy birth process. I'm good. Um, been there, done that twice myself. And God bless birth doulas. I think every woman on this planet absolutely deserves and needs, and it should be a requirement that you have a doula with you at your birth and through your pregnancy. Um, it is so needed. But I knew that what I wanted to focus on was the postpartum because I, nobody really, they tell you it's gonna be hard, but you have no idea like how hard it's gonna to be to be so tired and to know that you need to ask for the help, but you don't know how to ask for help or there's so many facets, so many different ways um, that you need help and you don't even know where to begin. And so I went into the whole postpartum doula thing um, with my health coaching background because I wanted to help women in that transition, it's such a sacred transition. Um, another plug for the book, Fourth Trimester by Kimberly Johnson, um, such a great book. And she talks about the importance of this um, sacred transition from maiden to motherhood and those sacred 40 weeks and plus, plus, because postpartum doesn't end at 40 weeks after you have a baby, like it doesn't. It can go up for two years, you know? Um, I think I didn't really feel like myself until my youngest was almost three. 
So I was finally sleeping somewhat normally at that point. Um, and so honoring that postpartum phase, however long that is for the women, was really important to me. And I feel like that's why I had the journey I had was so that I could create this thing I call motherhood elevated, where it encompasses physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, and financial health. Because I feel like women in the world today struggle so much with all aspects of those. And we tend to just focus on the physical because we can see that and we can feel it. But yet the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, the financial um, all play major roles like you were talking about. It's all intertwined. And what we do with one is going to affect the others and vice versa. And so I just wanted to create this online like kind of like resource like arsenal for moms to have at their fingertips so that they can be like oh my god my child isn't like latching properly and I don't know what to do where can I look I can't afford a lactation consultant so what do I do here's some YouTube videos here's a blog here's this here's that or you know like you're struggling with your relationship um after a baby because that's a major transition as well you know like how do you manage your emotions and your family's emotions and your partner's emotions, like what are some resources? So I, I combined it all into this thing called Motherhood Elevated. And it's just, um, I just think it's so important for women to have the tools and to be able to know that it's okay to ask questions. You should ask questions, reach out for help. There's no stupid question. Um, you know, you just gotta just keep asking questions until you're like, okay, that answer feels right. Like, okay, I, I understand what I need to do. Um, and just advocate for yourself. I have all of your links in the description. And I went, I always go through the process myself. So I downloaded your motherhood elevated. I love, I wish you lived here because I, you would be my postpartum doula for every single one of my births because it's, it is, a, <laughs> that is like not where I feel called. Right. And we need the women who do to, because it is a huge transition, massive transition. And it's tough to be a postpartum doula. There are some challenges yeah. well, there. I'll be honest. I'm not, I, I won't work with clients one-to-one. Um, cause I'm not, I'm not in a space where I can mentally and energetically support them the way they deserve to be supported. Um, I am more than happy to be that connection to resources. Uh, but I had to take a hard look when I signed up for that course. And I talked to the instructor ahead of time. I was like, I just want to be real clear on this. I am not in a space where I can help other women like in person, one-to-one and be there like in my life, it just doesn't work right now um, for a multitude of reasons. And she was like, that's fine. She was like, we just need advocates. Yeah. We need people talking about this and sharing resources. Allison, thank you so much. And I, I want to encourage people to click the links and connect with you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank Send you. me a message. Thank, thank you. you.